Welcome back to another Youth Centered Podcast. Very excited today to have uh, a very famous person, uh, someone who grew up here in the Youth Center to a certain degree. Um, I consider him a son. Um, and uh, it's George's Niang from the Utah Jazz. So, George, thanks for coming on the Youth Centered Podcast. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great to be here. And uh, yeah, being like your son, you claim me on your uh, taxes for so many years. Uh, that so is I, true. I definitely owe you a a podcast session but no I'm, I'm glad to be here i'm glad to talk to the youth and uh, let people know my story all right judges uh there's probably maybe 13 people in the entire merrimack valley that never have heard of you but uh for those that may not have uh, why don't you give us what we call the george's niang's files uh, from basically when i first met, met you probably up until present day um yeah i could give you a, a brief overview on that i think uh just a small town kid, you know, born and raised uh, in Methuen, Massachusetts. Um, grew up, grew up, love, love to be active, being around my family. Uh, originally met Rick and, and his son, Michael, who is now my best friend, uh, through uh, travel soccer. So that's kind of unique. And, uh, you know, we kind of just grew up together playing basketball, um, loving the game, traveling a bunch of places uh, in, um, in a minivan. Uh, we did a lot of cool things growing up, and I think the biggest thing that I remember is just the experiences. We were never really gifted with things. It was more us traveling and getting out and doing things and becoming one with each other and developing relationships, and I think that was huge uh, for me growing up. But, you know, back to, to my story, uh, I went to a, a prep school uh, in New Hampshire. I um, was later went there for five years, decided to uh, a repeat uh, my sophomore year just for lack of maturity reasons that I'm, I'm glad that I did because nobody wants to hop into real life too soon. Um, graduated from there and accepted a full basketball scholarship to uh, Iowa State uh, University where I played basketball for four years um, and had an outstanding time. The, the people of Ames, Iowa are, are second to none. Great people out there, great fan base, great support. And it really helped mold me uh, as a young man. Uh, after I graduated from Iowa State, I entered the NBA draft. I was drafted 50th by the Indiana Pacers and um, played one year with the Pacers. Um, I was let go after one year, signed with the Warriors, and played uh, a full uh, half a year with their G League team before I signed uh, with the Utah Jazz. And that this I'll be, I just finished my third year in the NBA and hopefully looking for a, a lot more. And here I am today. And George, yours is an amazing story, and one of the reasons we're bringing George on is to really talk about self-motivation and what it really takes, because um, you are, I've worked with hundreds of kids, uh, thousands of kids, and uh, trained uh, hundreds of kids, and I've always said uh, unequivocally that you are the hardest work and most motivated kid that I've ever seen. And uh, so we're going to talk about what it really takes, because in the terms of basketball or in sports, uh, we those who work in it every day. Um, we're not 100% sure kids know today what it really takes. So let's start when it really began, when I first uh, met George, like you said, on the youth soccer. What people don't know is George was a ice hockey player also. <laughs> 
I'll never forget uh, going to the Methuen rink and seeing this very large kid on skates. Um, not finesse was, uh, he was definitely not a finesse hockey player, but <laughs> he could do a little bit of everything. And then obviously we got him involved with Michael and George and some other great kids like Jimmy Zenovich. Uh, got them involved with what we ended up calling the Running Ranges uh, Youth Travel Basketball. So, George, take us back to when you first started really loving the game. What were some of the things that you may have learned at, his, at a young age on how to be motivated and how to actually be self-motivated uh, to achieve some of the – and you had big goals right from the beginning. Right. And um, so I, I definitely want to start small. I mean, obviously when you're a young kid you have um, – a plethora of interests, whether that's, you know, skateboarding, video games, basketball. Um, so I think as a kid, you should always, you know, pursue every interest that you have, whether that's, you know, reading books or, you know, I mean, running, running the track. I think you should always do that. But um, as you get older, you slowly start to realize the things that you're really passionate about, the things that bring you the most happiness and things that you just genuinely love to do. And um, I would say around the seventh grade, is when I finally, you know, it hit me that basketball was something that I really wanted to do, um, something that I really wanted to pursue and really just enjoyed doing, whether if that was going to basketball practice or that was shooting around hoops in, in the backyard or in my friend's backyard. It was just something that I overall just loved to do. And uh, I think the, the biggest thing that motivated me to, to become better every day was kind of, the, the faults that people said about me. I mean, it, it sounds kind of cliche, but I kind of used the negative energy that other people were giving off, the things that they said that I couldn't do to try to prove to other people that I could do these things. And that kind of, as that slowly started, people said I couldn't, in the seventh grade, they said I couldn't hit a foul line jump shot. They said I couldn't play defense. They couldn't I say I uh, was too slow. And I just think every time that I got it on the court, I'd make it a point to, okay, today I'm going to get a little bit better and try to push myself in these different areas just to get a little bit better, just to prove one person wrong every day. And, you know, as you use that as motivation as you're younger, you start to grow up and you really start to realize that those people that were doubting you really don't even matter. And, uh, and that's when I really started to look forward to having my own self-motivation. And that was just to be the best me I could be. And I think the best me is all I can do and all I can aim for. But uh, I think the the biggest thing for me is every day I was just trying to get a little bit better competing with myself and who I was the day before. Um, I really fell in love with the process of just realizing that being great isn't easy. And I think kids these days really, really misconstrue that. They think, oh, I want to be this, I want to be that. Um, I want to be the the best player on my team. I want to go to the NBA. And I think the the best thing that someone ever said to me was, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And I think another thing that really helped me was breaking, breaking my success down uh, little by little. Uh, I remember it, it started in the seventh grade, and someone told me, you're not going to play varsity as a freshman. So that was my first goal. All right, how am I going to prove to these guys that I can play varsity as a freshman? Then it was... I made varsity, but I wasn't really playing. And they were like, you'll never be uh, a starter on your high school team. I eventually made it to be a starter. Then once I was a starter, I was like, you'll never get a college scholarship. Then I got a college scholarship. And then I was like, once you're, I got a college scholarship, it was like, you'll never play more than 25 minutes in, in college. And after that, it was, you'll never be successful in college. And after I achieved being 
playing 25 minutes, I was an All-American. Then once I was an All-American, I was like, he'll never play in the NBA. Then I played, then I did that and played in the NBA. And I think what kids get messed up is they look at the big picture overall and they see where their end goal is, but they don't see the roadblocks that they have to get to or get over to get to these things. So I always want to say you always want to have a big dream, but you have to look what's right in front of you because when you overlook that, that's how you get tripped by other things in your way and you can't achieve your goals. I mean, that's great. Um, let's go to uh, when you left Methuen, um, you attended Tilton School. That is the prep school that George did not mention the name when uh, he introduced it, but Tilton <laughs> School. Uh, and a lot of people thought you were going there for basketball, and I would tell people that that was really not the number one reason. Why did you choose to leave Methuen and go to uh, Tilton Boarding School? Um, you know, growing up uh, as a kid, I, I haven't really told many people this, but I suffered from uh, ADHD. It's attention deficit disorder. Um, you know, I really had a tough time paying attention and really focusing in school and really being able to focus on my work in, in front of me rather than what the person next to me was doing. So obviously the bigger classrooms at uh, Methuen High School and Methuen Public Schools are, are great for some kids, but they just weren't a good fit for me. And um, my family realized that and realized that I needed to go to a school where I would have more attention, I would be uh, in activities all day, and the fact that there were smaller classrooms was kind of the thing that took it over the top for me. Um, so when I first was applying to prep schools, I was really looking for a place that could help my uh, academic needs and to help me grow as a young man and really give me the attention that I needed to grow as a young man with the smaller classrooms. And uh, it definitely did that. Um, my decision to go to the Tilton School was not for basketball at all. And then people get that messed up because I eventually had a good basketball career there. But um, I think the biggest thing for me was I didn't know that I needed to grow as a man. Um, I was only in eighth grade. I was probably 13, 14 years old. But the people around me knew that, and I'm forever thankful for that. But what Tilton uh, really showed me is, um, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. Um, I didn't go to Til the Tilton School for basketball, like I said. I was surrounded by guys that were committed to play at high-level schools, when UConn, when they were winning championships, Providence College, um, a whole bunch of other Division One schools. Um, so when I got there, it was kind of like a shock and awe. I'd never been around a Division One player. Uh, I'd only gone and watched a Christmas tournament and seen guys that were playing at Assumption or Merrimack and Division Two players. So when I got to see high-level uh, Division One players, it was kind of like a shock and awe. You know, I I really was kind of nervous, didn't know what to expect. But um, once I got out there, I think the biggest thing for me is if I'm going to get out there, I might as well give it my best ability. If I fail, I know I can come back and try to do it again and try to become better. And I think the biggest thing that these kids have to realize, like it's, it's okay to fail. It's okay to feel crappy and, and like you sucked. And man, that was horrible how bad I got my butt kicked. But the best thing that you could do for yourself is get right back up and go out there and do it again because experience is the best teacher. And I think the biggest thing for me was getting out there, getting scored on, not being able to shoot the ball or get things done and then help me realize what I needed to do to be able to get my shot off, to be able to stop someone that was bigger than me. And over the course of time, you slowly see yourself getting better and then you just start to become addicted like, oh, if I continue to do this, this is going to happen. And then after long periods of time where you consistently put in the time and effort, you realize that you're going to get better. But like I said before, this isn't easy. This isn't something I'm, I'm talking about it like it's easy, but having that crappy feeling after having a bad day is not an easy one to cope with. But you just have to know that if this is something that you really want, you're willing to put everything in on it. 
that it's going to be worth it in the long run, that you can fight through these feeling, these uh, emotional distresses or bad feelings and of not playing well and, and get over it and know that you're getting better. If you can fight through that every day and remain humble, I think uh, the best is yet to come for some of these young kids. And Tilden School was a great place for you. I, I got to watch many of your games and watch you develop into a fine young man. And what people don't know, because they think of George Nang, the basketball player, George was a big man on campus for a variety of reasons. But I remember going to your graduation. You were the class president. You won a number of awards. And to watch the, the people of the Tilton community uh, really see you beyond just being a great basketball player was huge. So as you got into your sophomore, junior, and then senior year and playing with the likes of Nerlens Noel, Jamal Coombs, Wayne Selden, uh, and all the guys, um, you started to be seen by major Division One college coaches. Um, I was privileged to be part of your uh, process. Uh, it was a thrill for me to, to meet a lot of great uh, coaches, uh, came to the youth center, John Calipari was in my office, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what did you, you know, how did you end up at, at Iowa State? And what was that whole college recruitment process like for our listeners? Yeah, um, you know, obviously you were right there with me during the whole process. Um, and it was a lengthy process for me. And I think being raised around the adults that were around me, even with you, uh, the Vitulis, um, I think the one thing I learned was to be a, a loyal guy. And because um, there are plenty of times in my youth career where people try to derail me from who I started with and told me that, you know, they're not using you the right way or they don't believe in you. And, you know, you guys were the, you and John were the first ones to recognize my potential and, and push me to limits I thought I'd never see myself getting to. So I always was a, a loyal guy and I always valued. Uh, your opinion and when it came to my recruiting process just because I felt like that loyalty trait that you have was passed down to me uh, growing up so I think the biggest thing for me is when I was getting recruited I always asked uh, coaches you know what's your plan for me what do you see in me and and why me and I, I think um, I got some a wide variety of answers that will change our offense for you we'll do this for you but I, I think the the best thing I heard was from Fred Hoiberg and he was the first high major coach uh, to offer me a scholarship. And he was like, listen, I like your game. I like who you are as a person. I think you fit our system. Um, I'm not going to promise you any minutes. I'm not going to promise you time. I'm not going to promise you anything, but uh, you're my plan A and I don't want to have a plan B. And I think that was huge for me. Uh, I wasn't promised anything. I had to go in there and work for it just like how my whole career had gone. So when he told me that, it kind of hit me and made me realize, like, you know, this is the guy that I want to put my career in his hands and trust in him. Uh, you know, so when I did that, um, I committed, uh, I think it was like May 15th of my junior year. And uh, that was the only high major offer I held at the moment or or I, uh, first high major offer. But a high major offer started coming in. And once I committed... Um, I had a pretty big summer on the AAU circuit and a bunch of high major coaches were trying to sneak in and get me to decommit and tell me I didn't belong in Iowa. And, but like I said, the loyalty to a guy that didn't promise me anything uh, was so strong just because of the roots that I had. And it luckily turned out to be the best decision of my life. For sure. And Ames, Iowa, if anyone ever has an opportunity to go there, it's it's an amazing college town. Um, you know, my family was fortunate to to be out there the four years that George was there for extended stays and 
Hilton Magic and walking around Ames with George and going into restaurants with George. I mean, he, he was the man. It was uh, amazing to see how the community um, brought you in. You're like the favorite child of Ames, with the exception of Fred Hoiberg. Um, <laughs> and it's just uh, been crazy. And then, um, you know, again, people were saying he couldn't couldn't make it to the pros. And uh, I'll never forget draft night at your mother, your grandmother's house and uh, all of us in there and, you know, all the people that had been with you since the very beginning all the way up to, you know, Marcus O'Neill from Tilton and uh, and all your family. You got a great family. And uh, uh, it was great when um, Larry Bird made the call and you got uh, – it was announced by um, the commissioner that you were the 50th pick for the Indiana Pacers. And you spent a year out there, got to see you out there, and I know that was an up and down. And then uh, the Pacers actually let you go after your first year, and you kind of hooked on with the Warriors franchise and what, what better organization to hook yourself onto. Um, and you played in their G League system and was seen in the G League system by Quinn Snyder and the, the Jazz. And uh, – Got an opportunity with the Jazz at the end of last year, and you, you had a great year this year. Uh, again, probably be wanting to play more minutes, but you uh, literally were a major part of their team all the way down the stretch and, you know, eliminated by the Rockets a couple of weeks ago here. But, you know, what was that whole experience the last three years of the ups and downs and, and going back almost to the days where you had to, uh, you know, show people again that you can do all this stuff? Yeah, I would uh... – just replaying it back in my mind, I would consider myself, you know, one of the stronger, mentally stronger guys that, you know, I've been around. But there are definitely, I think back in there, are definitely some weak moments. I think coming into the NBA, um, I kind of made draft night kind of like the highlight of my career. And, I mean, it's kind of crazy to say it now. Um, when I got drafted, it was kind of like, like I did it. You know, I did it. I made it. And little did I know that's when the hardest work needed to be put in. Um, so I kind of, I don't want to say took took it for granted, but I I look back and wish I would have grinded a lot harder to make things happen. Because in college and in high school, you know, you're eventually given opportunities. In professional sports in real life, you're not given any opportunities unless you earn them. And that's what I didn't know. And that was kind of like the ugly truth for me as I was sitting there on the bench or in a suit wondering, how come they're not giving me a fair chance? How come they're not putting me in the game? How come they're not doing this? Well, for to call a spade a spade, I didn't earn anything. And um, so that year was a long year for me, kind of confusing, wondering why I wasn't getting an opportunity, why they did, what did, what did they see in me at first? And little did I know I had to look into the mirror and realize it was all on me. Every day you need to wake up and go out there and give people a reason why they should pick you, why they should give you an opportunity, why they should trust you. And sometimes that's not that goes without saying anything. That goes with your work, how you carry yourself, how you treat other people. All those things are a reason why people should give you an opportunity to be successful. And I think every day waking up, hard work creates success. So waking up every day and giving your best and, and working as hard as you can is going to give you those opportunities. That being said, when I was released, I didn't know what to do. I, I was injured. I had a, a MCL sprain. Um, I had hyperextended my knee. So I didn't know where to go from there. So when I got an opportunity to go to training camp with the Warriors, it was like a blessing, and I wanted to take full advantage of that. <clears throat> and I think the biggest thing that helped me then was I created a routine for myself. When I was getting to bed, 
when I was waking up, what I was eating, what I was doing before practice, and really just kind of put myself in a routine where if I continue this routine, I would slowly get a little bit better. And I held myself accountable to do this routine every day. So when there were days that it was rainy and I didn't want to do these things, I woke up and I did it because I knew that if I continue to stick to this plan, it eventually get me back to the NBA, which is where I was trying to get. You know, obviously it's easy to work hard on the days that you feel good, but there's going to be more days where you don't feel good than when you do feel good. And if you're not going to work out on those days where you don't feel good, you're losing valuable time where other people can just surpass you. And I think you said it best when I was, when I was younger, if you're not uh, getting better, you're staying the same. And if you're staying the same, someone else is passing you. So uh, the biggest thing in my mind is I just wanted to get a little better each day and achieve my goal of getting back to the NBA because I've, after I got released, I thought to myself on, on my couch um, in July, did I just ruin the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I didn't put my all into something? And I told myself that no matter what, I was going to put my all into everything that I did for the rest of my life. Uh, that that being said, I had a great. I ended up getting cut from the Warriors from training camp, went down to their G League team, continued my routine, had a great half a year with them, and was signed to the new two-way contract with the Utah Jazz, you know, where they saw the things that I could do as a player and they felt that it fit their community and their team. And as I got there, I just continued to work hard, embrace uh, my role as a bench guy and, and really just continue to work. When guys were leaving, I was staying in there, getting extra shots up and um, being genuinely me. I, I think when I say getting extra work in, like you don't have to get work in because you think the coaches are looking. I think what you need to understand is do this for yourself. Do this work to better yourself. Don't do it for anybody else but yourself. So I was in there just thinking, if I'm not playing, I might as well try to get as good as I can so when I do have the opportunity to play, they can't sit me down. So that was my, realistically, that was my goal. And I did that you know, all the way into summer league and, and was lucky enough to have a good summer league. And then the same thing continued with this summer or last summer. I really just want to continue to improve my body, shot making. And then when I got into training camp, it was just seamless you know I, I had put so much work in that i was so confident that i could just go out there and play basketball and be me um obviously there are times in the season where you know you fall out of the rotation you become frustrated but you can never waver from your routine and your hard work i think that's what's going to keep you sane and and as a young if i could give a young me advice is don't worry about anything you can't control you can control your attitude your effort and how you treat people the rest will take care of itself and like i said if hard work creates opportunity if you continue to work hard these opportunities will come up and you'll seize them day in and day out yeah it's pretty amazing um and you you continue to be so resilient and uh, obviously you wrapped up your third year and you'll be leaving us tomorrow to head back out to utah and then eventually california and start working on your game again on an aside, let me, uh, you know, every year we see, we see all the Duke players, the New North Carolina players that all go off into the pros. But how amazing is it that pretty much everybody you played for is in the league? Like you and I were watching Monte Morris play the other night, backup point guard for the, for the Nuggets, and obviously Naz is with the Jazz, and we got Abdel and Deontay, Deontay with OKC. Um, you know, pretty impressive stuff. Like how did, how did all the Cyclones end up getting to the league? You know, it's funny. I was just talking to someone about this the other day. It's kind of crazy to think that we have all these guys in the NBA and we couldn't get out of the Sweet 16. Um, I think it's a credit to the hard work that all those guys put in. Um, you know, I think when you get to college, you're faced with three decisions. Um, 
what's your relationship with women going to be? What's your relationship with drugs going to be? And what's your relationship with alcohol? And I think people who come into college get peer pressured into being more active with women, being more active with drugs, being more active with alcohol. And I think the peer pressure that we kind of hit ourselves with was who's going to get in the gym more? Who's going to get extra lifts? Who's going to get X amount of shots up? If I do get X amount of shots up, how many more are you going to get up? Or who can be in the gym longer? And I think we sort of like peer pressured ourselves in ways that made each other sacrifice a little more of our social life and put more into the grind and, and the basketball life. And I think that was huge for us. Uh, we kind of created a culture where the norm was to get a workout in every day. And sometimes I ask guys what their college routine was, and, and that wasn't it. So I, I think it's just a credit to the staff at Iowa State and the confidence that they instilled in us and the hard work that they put into us um, and giving us the opportunity to – to chase our goals. I don't ever feel like we were limited. We were always given the resources and the attention to become the best us we could be. And um, I think at the end of the day, it's just a dream that all of us sat around at some point and, and talked about this with each other about making it to the NBA and how it was going to be. And we can all kind of sit back and, and look at each other and be like, man, we, we really made it, but we all know that our hard work isn't done. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive to me. One of my biggest complaints right now with young kids is, you know, sometimes they're settling. Sometimes they don't have peers that are pushing them to be like, I mean, I remember watching you guys in, in your practice facility. I mean, the way you guys would go after each other and really motivate and push each other. And I think that's something that's kind of lacking with our young people right now. There's not enough people that are constantly pushing them to be as best they can be from a team perspective let me ask you this um we've got about 10 minutes left in the in the podcast but i want to get your perspective on give me some statement messages that i want i want these to go out to those kids right now those 13 to 18 year old kids that are they say they want to be serious basketball players and uh you know, some of them are just doing enough to get by. Um, they're not grinding. I always tell the story during your recruitment when you had gotten off the plane with BABC after two weeks in Florida, and um, I'm leaving to get to the gym for a BST workout, and you should have been sleeping in, and you're, you're chasing my, my truck up the driveway because you were not going to miss a workout. So what are some of the statement messages you want to give out to our young people right now about what it really means to work out? Um, you know, obviously Morgan Wooten had a great quote that I live by, and uh, there's no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. And I, what I don't think these kids realize is, is um, being a high school basketball player obviously takes some sacrifice. Being a college basketball player takes some sacrifice. But to be a professional athlete, um, it obviously is going to take some sacrifice at one point. But I think from from a standpoint where I want to give advice to these 13 to 18 year olds is um, if you think that you can just get by by just living a, a normal life and you're going to achieve all your goals, you're sadly mistaken. Someone told me a saying, you, you know, you have to live like no one else so you can live like no one else. Um, growing up, I don't even know what a family vacation was because I was just so locked into basketball and how I could get better and uh that's something that I sacrificed but not knowing it because I wanted this dream and I wanted this life for myself so bad that I didn't even realize I was sacrificing that so in my head it's like there's a certain amount of people that are going to make it to the NBA and 
if you're not one of them, how how can you gain get the best best for yourself? And I, I think you have to realize what you want in this life. And if this basketball dream is what you want, you have to be willing to do anything to get to it, whether that's waking up and running or eating better or sleeping better. If this is something that you really, truly want, you need to put your all into it or you're never going to achieve anything that you want to be, whether that's basketball, a doctor, a teacher. Um, I think kids kind of are living in this fantasy world where so many things are given to them. Everybody gets a participation trophy, so you always feel like a winner regardless. You know, that's childhood. In real life, people are coming for your job every day. Every day, someone is looking to be you. Someone is trying to step over you to get to what their dreams are. And if you don't sacrifice enough or work hard enough at your goals and dreams, you're just going to have a half-assed life. I mean, you're not going to achieve the goals that you want, and you're going to be miserable. I think if you can realize what you want and put everything that you have into what you want, you'll get what you want. I mean, that just goes to show you, I was too... uh, I was too slow, I was too fat, I was too out of shape, I was too this and too that, but yet I told myself, that doesn't matter because my dream is going to trump anything that anybody says. And it was tough, there were days that I wanted to quit, there were days that I wanted to give up, but I always told myself that, you know, this is something that I really want, and I can only live it stomach and live with myself if I put my all into this and seeing what the result is. Sometimes you don't get what you want because that's just how life is. But if you put your all into something, I'm a full believer that you can be at ease if you don't make it. And if you do, you achieved your goal. Now, let me ask you to the parents. So the parents these days, uh, some parents just very stressed out about this. They want their kid to be this. They want their kid to be that. Um, they have an opinion of their kid, which may be different than other people's of the kids. What do you say to the parents who get, who get caught up in this whole you know, whether it be high school basketball or grassroots basketball, what do you say to those parents about keeping it real? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing with them is uh, I was lucky enough to have a mom that realized uh, the basketball coach is going to be the basketball coach. I'm going to be a parent. And I think that's where parents need to take a step back. Be a parent. Support your kids. Love your kids. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. Um, the kids hear enough about basketball and enough about this let your kid be a kid obviously you want to give your kid advice and and help him in the best way possible but i think taking a step back and and realizing that you know life is so joyous and and fun and you need to hold yourself accountable as a parent to make sure those things are met outside of basketball so what i would tell a parent that is overbearing and worried about is let life happen what the kid wants is is going to happen i mean just depends how bad he wants it. And I mean, that just goes to show how, how did you raise him? Does, is he ambitious? Is he willing to try new things? Is he willing to work hard for what he wants? I mean, all these steps were done way before this kid stepped on this court and you were worrying about, is my son going to get a Division One scholarship? So the thing that I challenge with them is try to be the love and support system that they need. Um, I think as a, a kid growing up playing basketball, you, you hear enough about, you know, you put enough pressure on yourself like, oh, am I going to get this? Am I going to get that? Am, am I going to be a high school player? Am I going to be a scholarship basketball player? And, and when your parents put even more pressure on you, it, it's almost like you fold. It, it's almost too much to handle at that age. And parents need to let their kids breathe and let them chase after what they want because their dreams are their dreams and your dreams can't be their dreams. So what I basically tell them is just love them and support them and 
just back off. I mean, I, I think these young kids have a lot going on, and if it's something that they really want, they'll achieve it and they'll grow to be the best them they can be. I want to. I want you to talk a little bit about the message of you know accepting a role, accepting what the coach does. I, I was on the phone today with an associate head coach at Boston College, Scott Spinelli, who, who actually recruited you, recruited you twice. He, he recruited did. you when he was at Texas A and M, and then he recruited you when he was at Maryland. Uh, and he was he's got a lot of love for you. But he actually made a good comment today about you know certain kids from our area, uh, you, Pat Connaughton, who had a terrific last two games here at the Boston Garden. Uh, Jake Lehman playing for Portland. Uh, Noah Vonley right down the street. Um, how do you, what do you say to the kids out there that all want to be the guy or have this kind of role? I mean, let's face it, you're the second all-time leading scorer at Iowa State, but you're fighting for minutes at Iowa, uh, at, uh, at Utah Jazz right now. How does that, what's the message to kids about like, hey, if you don't get it your way and you know doing the role, whatever helps the team win? Yeah, I, I think, there comes a point in your life where you kind of realize you're willing to do uh, anything to to be a part of something that's successful. And obviously being on an NBA roster is something that's successful. It wasn't easy for me. Obviously, I got to shoot whatever shot I wanted in high school. I got to shoot whatever shot I wanted in at Iowa State. And once I got to the NBA, I had to realize that my role is changing, whether that's to be the best cheerleader and motivational guy to keep other guys happy. Um at the NBA or coming in for four minutes and taking one shot, but making sure that shot was a great shot and stopping three people defensively. I think what you need to do is realize what the team needs and see if what you do fits what the team needs. And I think if you're on a certain team, the ownership or the people that put the team together believe that you can fit that role. But accepting a role is tough. You you have to learn how to love that role embrace that role how that role helps better the team and i think what people need to realize is a team is like a puzzle piece and if you're missing one piece of the puzzle you you may never get the finished product so i think for me the best advice i could give is just love what you do <clears throat> if that's for two minutes for four minutes 25 minutes do it to do it to the best of your abilities all the time um Role changing is extremely tough. Uh, like I said, it, it wasn't easy for me. But um, once, I, once I realized that if I could put winning above my personal goals, everything else would be fine. And obviously people would be like, well, winning's great, but I'm not happy. But I, that's another thing. When you can be genuinely happy for other people and put winning above all, you slowly start to realize the things that really matter in your life. And I'm not saying you're going to get that when you're 13 to 18 years old. But I think if you can just say to yourself, I'm doing this to help my team win, you'll never be disappointed, uh, ever be disappointed because winning trumps all. Winners get more opportunities. Winners go on to do big things. Winners go on to break records. Um, guys that average 27 points or, or do these great individual things can't hold their head up high and say, I, I was a winner. Yeah, an individual accolade is cool, but those people get forgotten all the time. Winning teams, the 96 Bulls, the Golden State Warriors. You know if you're a part of that team. Guys forget individual guys that have the scoring record. You couldn't tell me who had the scoring record in the NBA three years ago. But guys do remember the 96 Bulls, right. Mad Magic, Showtime, Lakers. They remember those guys. They remember the winners. So doing the little things to help your team win 
really matter. All right, a couple final questions as we starting to run out of time here is, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is outside noise. Um, I have to say you've been very fortunate to have some very, very positive people in your life that kind of kept you on a good path. And it, it starts with Uncle Lady, as far as I'm concerned. Um, your mother's brother's just been uh, been amazing to you growing up. And then, you know, you, you, you played for some good people, you know. And so how important it is is to is to listen and be around people that really do have your best interests at heart. Yeah, I, I think um, surrounding yourself with people that tell you things that really you don't want to hear. You don't want to be around people that are yes men, that are everything you say, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, there is, um, there has to be some, um, some things that you don't like to hear that, that people are telling you in your circle. Because if someone's telling you everything that you do want to hear, they probably don't have your best interests. And uh, I think the the easiest thing for me was focusing on the, the task at hand and the people that I surrounded myself with uh, really helped me achieve great things. I think uh, when you can be around people that can be honest with you, can keep it real, can tell the truth, um, it, it really is going to take, not only say take your game, but take the way you look at things um, and, and bring it to a new level. Uh, I know for me, I always tried to keep a, a great circle around me. I remember there was one time, and I think I was in grade school, and I came home, and I was like, Mom, my basketball coach is yelling at me, and I can't handle it. And, uh, you know, she basically told me, you know, he's he knows what he's doing. Um, this is a, a basketball coach. I'm not going to sit here and, and hold you and baby you um, there are some life experiences that you need to go through um, to really just better yourself. So I, I think when I, when I get back on topic of um, blocking out the outside noise is you have to realize who matters in your life and whose opinions do matter and what voices you should be listening to. You shouldn't be listening to your homeboy, um, your, your best friend that's not on the team or a different coach that's not your coach at the moment. I think... You need to sit back and accept the coaching that's being given to you from the coach of the team that you're on at the moment and do what he asks. Um, at the end of the year, you can dissect and, and think, well, maybe I could have did this. But I think while you're on the current team, you need to listen to the coach that's giving you advice and embrace the role that he's giving you and be the best you you can be. And if you can continuously block out outside noise, whether that's haters, um, your friend that thinks you're getting screwed, I think the more positive you can keep your life, the better it'll be. That's awesome. All right, one final question for you, George, is, um, you know, you finished up your third year in the NBA. Um, you're you're going to be back out there in another, you know, few days grinding for the next year's season, um, hopefully sticking with the Jazz. Uh, so I know you're going you're gonna to play as long as you possibly can in the league. What's the future for George's after that? Um, you know, obviously uh, – I love. I would love to get into broadcasting, um, and and do NBA games or college games uh, when I'm done playing. I would uh, love to be a coach. Um, I would love to just be around the game. This game has brought me so much happiness. I would love to continue to enjoy that. Um, whether that's through broadcasting, whether that's through coaching, uh, whether that's through I wouldn't say scouting. I don't know if I'm that advanced just yet. But um, I always want to be around the game. Uh, I have a marketing degree. 
Um, so if I ever were to step away from the game, it'd probably be get involved in a marketing firm to market off NBA products. So I just always have had a love for the game, and I think my career path is to be in, involved with the game as long as I can. Yeah, and I think you will. I mean, we talked the other day with your mother, and I, I see those two paths as real, real possibilities for you. I think you're a natural in the broadcasting booth. Uh, I think you would be great uh, doing that, whether it's TV, whether it's radio. Um, but I also still believe coaching's in your blood. You, you are by far the smartest kid I ever coached. Uh, so I could see you. I remember in the seventh grade when I had to tell you to kind of shut up as you were trying to tell me what I should be doing as the coach. And you, you did it a nice way. But, um, but I, as I told you, I woke up and uh, I had a dream one night that uh, you'll end up heading back to Ames to someday be Iowa State's head coach. And uh, that might be a possibility, I'm telling you. So, so first of all, George, I want you to thank you for coming on the You Centered podcast today. And uh, you know I love you. You, you are like a son to me. And it's been, uh, it's been great to be part of your journey the whole way. And uh, the future continues to be bright for you. But for me and the message that I needed you to send today was to kids that it really, you have to be serious about it. You have to grind. You can't make excuses. You got to work at it. And, you know, working out once or twice a week is the bare minimum. That's not going to get you anywhere that you got to do all that. And I think uh, our young kids, as well as our parents, are hearing your messages here from someone that, that really did it. You defied every odds. And there's no one that would ever think that you were going to be in the pros. And, um, you know, all those stories, uh, you know, from AAU and high school and obviously college, and you just continue to to exceed people's expectations. And I think, uh, I think your future is bright in the league. So again, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. And as we always finish every podcast, we always say too much passion is not enough passion. <laughs>